Paul starts off by saying, not that I have already obtained all this, and I want to pause on that, the this, not that, it, what do you, the this that Paul is referring to is from the previous two verses that David preached from on uh, Easter, where, in verses 10 and 11, where Paul wrote, I want to know Christ, yes, to, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection of the dead. So the, Paul says, not that I have already attained all of this, knowing Christ fully and completely. Um, not that I have already obtained all of this, and then we keep going, or have already achieved my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus has taken hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for, for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And then Paul goes on to say, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if at some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us live up to what we have already attained. Father, I thank you for your, the blessing of your word that we have this morning. So I want to tell you a story as, as we're talking about this, um, this goal, this prize, this journey. I want to tell you a brief story about um, uh, when I was in high school on the basketball team. And I'll just preface this to say, you know, Paul started it. He's the one that has the sports metaphors in talking about the race in here. So you're going to hear a lot of those during the next uh, several moments. Um, but so I think about playing basketball in high school, and our coach was infamous for, uh, during preseason, pressing us hard, making us run endless amounts of sprint after sprint after sprint and I think of this one exercise that he did um, in all practices leading up to game, uh, the beginning of our season, where it was called climbing the mountain. And basically what that was, was we'd start on the baseline and we'd sprint uh, the length of the court. And then we'd rest while we walked back to where we started. And then we'd sprint three lengths of the court. Walk back to where we started, five lengths. Walk back, seven walk back 9, 11, sometimes 13. Then we get to climb down the mountain, 11, 9, 7. You, you get the idea. And then throughout this time, um, he would pick a, a teammate and have them shoot a free throw. And if the teammate made the free throw, we ran less. The whole team ran less. If the teammate missed the free throw, the whole team ran more. So this was exhausting. It was a team effort. And we as teenagers believed it was all worth it. It was worth the goal in the end, right? The, if we won the championship, like that would make all this exhausting running, this pressing on, it would make it all worth it. So this passage is, is showing us, it's, it's Paul uh, thinking about the Christian life and talking about the Christian life in terms of a goal, a prize, and a race, or, or a journey. So before we go verse by verse through this section, I, I want to just zoom in on those three things, to zoom in on the goal, the prize, 
and the journey. The goal, as we saw in verses 10 and 11, is to know Christ. Paul writes, I want to know Christ. Yes, the power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. So the goal is to know Christ completely, fully. We, we get to know him along the way, but the goal is to completely and fully know him when we meet him face to face. So to know Christ, imagine when I come to know Christ fully, I feel completely seen, known, accepted, cared for, enjoyed. I know God delights in me, which is hard to believe that the God of the universe can delight in us. But to know him fully is to recognize his love for you. It's to recognize who he is in all of his glory. You know, I think we get a glimpse perhaps of this in Revelation 4, where we read about these four living creatures, that they are in the throne room. They experience uh, the Lord face to face. They see who he is. And what do they do? How do they respond? It says this, day and night, they never stop saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is. They never stop saying that. So that there must be when they see who God is face to face, that's their reaction. Okay, heaven, this makes me look forward to heaven. Heaven will be amazing to know this God that calls that kind of response out of me, that, that I burst forth with an eternity of praise, saying, God, I can't believe how loving you are, what you've done, what you've created, how you've worked everything out for this good, for you holy God. And that is my eternal response to the Lord when I get to know him completely. Okay, heaven is amazing. It's not, it's not, you know, I used to think, ah, oh, we're going to sit around and sing hymns that I don't want to sing for eternity. Um, not that I don't like hymns, but I mean, it's, anyway. So, but it's, to know God fully was, I think, is going to call this kind of response in us. So I, you know, the illustration that comes up is I, I think back to basketball and, um, I imagine uh, this scenario where we're in the championship game. We're one point down. There's three seconds left, and they inbound the ball to me. And I get the ball, and I, I dribble hard three times to my left. I pull up right around the free throw line. I extend with this jump shot. And I know you're all thinking, like, 1989, Michael Jordan in the playoffs against the Cleveland Cavaliers, the shot, right? So, so I pull up, and I, I extend with beautiful form. The ball is spinning with the perfect backspin. It's arced. The buzzer goes off. The time is out. And then swish, it goes through. Yeah! And I am just, I am rejoicing. I mean, the, the jubilation I feel, the joy, the victory, the peace in a sense that all is made right because I've just won the championship. If you picture that joy and, and victory and peace that all is made right, all bottled up. Now, now I may feel that for an hour or a day, but, but imagine, I think I will feel that when I meet Christ face to face for the first time, I will feel that for eternity. I think that's what heaven is. That's, I mean, don't you want to know a Lord who calls out that kind of response that is an eternity of praise from his people who fully know him? 
That is our goal, to know that Christ and to make him known, becoming like him along the way. That's our goal. It's incredible. And the prize is similar. The prize, in some ways, is, is very linked to the goal. The prize is, is perfect peace and presence. It's peace with God. It is peace with his, our, our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's peace with creation. It's all things made right. Perfect peace. It is presence, the full-on presence of God with me. Always for eternity having his voice and his love echoing inside my head and not the accusations of the evil one. It's perfect peace and presence. You know, so then we think if that's the, the goal and the prize, we think about the journey. It's the third big thing that this passage looks at. The journey that we go on, it's, it's us linked arms with, with God and with others. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, we are to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. So it is, we are working on this journey. It is a lot of work. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purposes. So, so my arms are linked with God who is working in me. And, and I, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I go to, I think, okay, it's, it's God and I working together. So he's the quarterback and, and I'm like the all-star running back or, or the all-star receiver. Like I, I'm a pretty big contributor, right? Um, but I think the reality is if we use that football metaphor, it's more like God is the quarterback and I'm the backup kicker, all right? It, now, I, nothing against, I need to come to every practice. I'm working hard in the weight room. I am traveling with the team. I'm going with the team. Yet, when it comes down to credit for the points on the scoreboard, what the quarterback receives is a little bit different than what the backup kicker does. So, so my arms, we're linked. It is I am to work, but it's God working in me. And then on this journey, it's also I'm linked with others, with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Paul says he prays with joy for the partnership uh, with the brother, the partnership in the gospel that he shares with brothers and sisters in Christ. So we are along this journey together, arms linked together. And, you know, we think about um, back to my basketball team climbing the mountain in practice and when our coach chose one player to shoot a free throw, if he made it, we all ran more. If we missed it, we all ran less. So we were all impacted, good or bad, by the actions of one person on our team. That's, that's in many ways the story of our journey of the Christian life. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when one of us are insensitive or unkind or, or just downright a jerk to someone else, then we all pay. We all look bad. The body of Christ looks bad because of that. When one of us does a beautiful thing to share Christ with a neighbor, to fix a lawnmower, to, to do something kind to others, we all benefit from the good of that. We are in this journey linked together. What you and I do impacts the rest of our family of Christian believers. Another thing about this journey is that it's, it's messy. Growth is messy, 
The simplest illustration I think of is um, when my kids, they're all past this now, but um, at some point they need to go from drinking with a sippy cup to go eat, to drink in a cup without a lid. And, and that process is messy. At some point, when you, when you uh, move from sippy cup to no lid cup, you, you spill. Okay, at best case scenario, your spill is simply a small inconvenience. Worst case, your spill stains something and it lasts. And that's true for all of us with each other. As we walk the Christian journey, growing together, arms linked, we're, we're going to spill along the way. We're going to cause messes along the way. Some of those messes impact uh, each other more than others, but we cause a mess. None of us are still adults, that is. None of us are still sipping out of sippy cups. We've moved on. Christian growth is going to involve making messes. The last thing uh, about this journey is it is involves death. You know, Paul writes that I want to know Christ, the power of his resurrection, and the participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Spirit, on the spiritual journey, I die to myself. I experience stress. I grow through stress. Dying to myself brings me closer to the Lord. Death is part of the journey. So we, we think of this, we have our, our goal, our prize, and our journey. The Paul in verses 12 and then also in 13 and 14, Paul in many ways expresses the same thing uh, twice. He says in verse 12 that, um, you know, I, I haven't already arrived, but let me tell you about the journey. In verses 13 and 14 could be summarized the same way. I, I haven't yet arrived, but let me tell you something about the journey. In verse 14, he says this, he says, but, but one thing I do, I, I, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So I want to um, pause for a moment on that, what it is to forget and what it is to strain. When Paul says forgetting what is behind, think of the failures that Paul has in his rearview mirror. The failures that Paul has in his history. There was a time where he stood and gave approval to Stephen being killed. There was a time where he sought out having followers of Jesus dragged from their homes, beaten or imprisoned. That's in Paul's rearview mirror. And he's telling us, as you look back on those things, those difficult ways that you have failed, you need to forget that. And, and by forget, I think he has has in mind Psalm 103, verse 11, where David writes, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is the love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as God removed our transgressions from us. So Paul has in mind that God, that, that thing that I'm focused on, that failure that I'm focused on, God has forgiven that. So Paul says, take your eyes off on that, off of that, and strain towards Christ. Receive his forgiveness. Eyes on his forgiveness, not on your failure. What can happen when I focus on my past failures? Then 
then I, I start to listen to the accusations of the evil one. You're no good. Um, you, you don't deserve love. You fail over and over again. And I, I slump down. I feel weak. And I'm stuck looking at my failure. I'm no longer making forward progress in my relationship with the Lord. I'm not pursuing forgiveness. I'm stuck staring at failure. And Paul says, forget what is behind and strain towards what is ahead. I think when Paul tells us to forget, he's not just talking about failure, but perhaps he's also talking about some of the quote-unquote good that we bring to the table. Now, Paul had some good that he brought to the table. He could look back. He was born in the right family, in the right class. He had the right education. He knew scripture forwards and backwards. He, you know, and, and he could look back at all that and say, you know what? I'm pretty good. I mean, look at all that I've contributed. And as he does that, as we do that, we again get stuck no longer are we moving forward in our walk with the Lord, but we're just standing, paused, gazing at our own goodness. Paul says, forget what is behind, turn around, strain towards what is ahead. Look at the goodness of God, not the goodness of me. Strain towards him. So forgetting what is behind, straining toward what is ahead. I want to think just for a few moments for you, uh, with you about straining. I think of habits and practices that, if rightly motivated and thoughtfully planned, can keep us moving on the path and keep us on the path. So what are some, some practices and some habits that, that keep us on the path? You know, first of all, I want to just... Um, emphasize that when we talk about straining towards growth, straining towards this goal, I don't want to um, make it sound like I'm encouraging some kind of spiritual workaholicism. Um, workaholism. Yeah, however you say it, workaholism. I'm not encouraging that, but I think rest, intentional Sabbath rest, is part of the work of, of straining towards the goal. It sounds strange to say rest is part of our work, but I think Sabbath rest, if, if you are serious about Sabbath rest, you know it takes work and intentionality to carve out that time to do that. If you are serious about daily rest, listening to God's word each day, it takes work and discipline to do that. So when I, I'm including rest, spiritual rest, as a part of the work that we do to reach our goal. Thinking about uh, practices and habits that help keep us on this path and moving. Um, I think about something simple that I read recently, the author encouraging us to do um, Bible before phone. And that was simply his way of saying, you know what, first thing you do every morning, rather than picking up your phone, scrolling through the news, the weather, the, your email, um, what if you say, I'm committed, I'm going to listen to the Lord's word a little bit each morning before I pick up my phone? That could be a habit that helps me keep moving along in my spiritual growth. What about fasting? You know, whether you might commit to fasting one meal a week or one day a month, 
The act of fasting, as I, as I experience hunger from skipping a meal or meals, um, my body says, oh, I need and I want food. And, and if I use that to draw me into a conversation that says, God, I, I need you and should want you even more than I need and want food right now. Fasting can drive us in such a practical way into that beautiful prayer and recognition of our need for Christ. I think it's a wonderful habit to have in our walk with the Lord. You know, another habit is um, being intentional about uh, spiritual conversations with brothers and sisters in Christ. We give you ideas for this in the Amplify Guide, but I encourage you to be thinking about what is, how can I be intentional to have a spiritual conversation, an extended spiritual conversation with a brother and sister in Christ every week? How can I think about um, uh, expressing costly love to someone this week? How can I think about um, giving a generous gift at some point each month? How can I think about um, a regular, regularly pursuing a non-Christian and seeking to know and understand their circumstances? These are habits or practices that we can have in place to help keep us moving in our journey toward our goal to win the prize. I want us to, to step back just for a moment and, and ask this question, how, how are you working towards, straining towards this goal of knowing Christ. I imagine you can think of, you know, ways that, well, I, I work hard uh, and strain towards success in my job, or I spend a lot of time working hard towards um, having a reputation where others think well of me. How hard are you straining towards this goal of knowing Christ? I want to just end by a few comments on the last uh, two verses that Paul writes. He says, all of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And, and by mature, he, he's speaking of, he means right attitude. All of us who, who have the right attitude. Remember that attitude is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider everyone above yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. That's the attitude that Paul is talking about. So, so um, all of us with that right attitude who are mature should take this view of things about the goal, the prize, and the journey. And if on some point, that is some secondary point, if on some secondary point you think differently, then that too God's going to make clear to you. The primary thing is pursuing this pursuit of to know Christ and to make, his, and to make him known. If, if on some secondary point we disagree on, uh, you know, um, women in leadership, church government, uh, exercising of gifts, masks, uh, vaccinations, immigration, politics, if, if on some secondary point we disagree, Paul says, God's going to make that clear to you. I'm not going to sweat that. Those things are important. I want to see you pursue knowing and making Christ known. I want to encourage you this morning as we, as we look to our relationship with, with the Lord. I, actually, the way I'd like to end is just um, we're going to put up some thoughts uh, on the screen to just to remind you to think back through the goal, the prize, and the journey. And I want you to take a moment as our worship team is coming up and before they lead us in a final song, just take a moment of silence before the Lord and ask the Lord, Lord, what are you speaking to me about 
the goal, the prize, and this journey. Listen to the Lord quietly for a moment, and then we'll respond in song.